that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know that Shopify powers in-person selling too? From events to farmer's markets to shows, Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. I've definitely been selling at an event and struggled between reconciling payment processors, inventory before and after the event, and easy reporting. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. Prep for your next event with hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash startup CPG, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash startup CPG to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash startup CPG. This isn't an ad, but I'm borrowing an ad spot to tell you about how this month, July 2023, you, yes, you, dear listener, have a chance to win one of six incredible prize boxes filled with some of my favorite emerging brands products that have been featured on the show. All you have to do to enter the giveaway is leave a five-star review for the Startup CPG podcast and submit proof in a really short form. That's it. I'm literally personally packing up these boxes filled with delicious soups from Subi, the best banana bread mix from Godana's, functional mushroom granola from Forage, dried pineapple with moringa and hibiscus from Amazi, upcycled raspberry jam from Chia Smash, the most flavorful tortillas I've had from Eureka Tortilla, and Nowhere Bakery's celebrity-worthy cookie mix. It's seriously taking all my willpower to send you these prize boxes instead of keeping them for myself. If you've learned something from this show and would like to give back to us, please check out the link in the show notes with instructions on how to leave your review and enter the contest. Reviews are incredibly important for helping new people discover the show. If you have an iPhone, which over 80% of you do, I see you. It's best to leave the review in the Apple Podcasts app, which is most important for rankings. But if you have an Android, a Spotify review is also great. I already appreciate you so much for listening, but nothing keeps us all going here like a five-star review. So hit pause now or when you're able to safely use a phone and head to the show notes to get entered into the giveaway and then come right back. I'll have a Jake Carl's dance party while I wait for you. You're back? Okay, cool. Nice to see you again, and thanks for supporting the show. Welcome to the Startup CPG Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. Today's episode is a celebration, a celebration of 100 episodes of the Startup CPG Podcast. Can you believe it? If you've been listening since the beginning, that's amazing. If this is your first episode, that's also amazing. Welcome. I want to give a heartfelt thank you to each of you as listeners and to our incredible sponsors. You have all allowed us to keep the show going. I thought to commemorate the occasion, I'd share my top 100 moments from the podcast. Just kidding. I'll share 10-ish things. From most used metaphors to most surprising stories to most actionable tips to fan favorite episodes, we're going to count backwards to the number one moment on the podcast so far. I also made a playlist in the show notes of all the episodes mentioned today in this roundup in case you want to check out the full conversations. I hope you enjoy and would love to hear from you. What's your favorite episode or moment on the show? Send me a message on LinkedIn or in the Startup CPG Slack or post it to LinkedIn. 
Also, just a quick note that it was incredibly difficult to narrow down this list of moments. There are so many incredible guests and episodes not in today's roundup. I just used a mix of download data, your feedback, and my own memory to curate this. So let's start our countdown at number 10 with the most frequent returning guest, Seth Goldman. Seth is the co-founder of Honest Tea and between two episodes of the show started Just Ice Tea as another brand within his latest venture, Eat the Change. Seth's episodes were called the Pure Gold series, and we had such a great time with him on the show talking about expo tips, innovation, demos, and more. This story is Seth recalling a dangerous but pivotal moment in his entrepreneurial journey. Yeah. So first of all, the one thing to just have as, a, as an overall mindset is just resilience. And you just can't get too, you can't get too mired in the low points. But we had so many. We had this bottling plant that we owned for six years. And those were the six longest years of my life. And it was just brutal. Every It was in Pittsburgh, which is about four hours away from Bethesda, where I live. And so I'd be doing these just brutal drives there and back. And the plant was never really successful from a business perspective. And there were always problems. And it, it, it got to the point where like I was, it was compromising my ability to grow Honest Tea. It was a totally different business. You know, Honest Tea was about branding and innovation. And a bottling plant is about change parts and labor shifts and water issues, none of which were adding value to Honest Tea. And eventually we recognized that and were able to basically sell off the assets of the, the bottling plant and, and move away from it. But that was a challenging one. Another time in our first year was brutal where we were doing a, a early production run and it was in a blizzard and I up in Buffalo. And so I had to try to get back from Buffalo to DC in a blizzard, driving in a snowstorm and came out of the tunnel, hit some black ice and the car flipped off the road. That was a low point for sure. Oh. I had, in fact, on the in the car, because I had to get to a trade show, I had tons of bottles. And so there's just broken glass everywhere. Oh. Yeah, it was not a, it was not a, a good appointment. And my wife was angry at me for being too risky with my behavior, but I had you know, sort of put the business over my safety and that wasn't a good decision. And then of course, I didn't win any fans on the home front <laughs> with that decision either. I see with these types of things, you just got to have a short memory and you got to just get back and, and try to keep your eye on the big picture. And we've talked before about resilience and why it's so important. And so you just got to tap those reserves when, when you get into those types of situations and move on. Speaking of pretty wild stories, there are a couple unlikely meeting stories that make up our number nine. The first is from Safira at Nowhere Bakery. Nowhere Bakery was a Shelfie Award winner and a backpack brand. And when Safira was on the show, they had just announced a collaboration with the Gwyneth Paltrow. I was super curious how that had happened and wasn't disappointed. It was an interesting chain of events that led to this. Essentially, we had done a collaboration with Ariel Laurie and she had been working out with the same trainer that Gwyneth Paltrow was working out with. And so when we did the collaboration with her, she was like, I'd love to gift her a box of these cookies. So I made the box, I carried it to her trainer and a trainer gave it to Gwyneth and we heard nothing from it. Months went by, not a word. And then one day I get a text from Gwyneth Paltrow and she's like, hi, I hope you don't mind. I got your number from my trainer. I love those cookies that you gave me. Can I order some more? And so that was like how it started. And then I suggested to her a few months ago, I was like, hey, would you love to do a collaboration? And she was like, yeah, I'd love to. Like anywhere I can support you guys. Our other unlikely meeting story to make up number nine is from Alexio Gibson. Am I adding a second part to number nine? Yes, it's more like nine categories. 
Alexio's episode is one of my favorites in general. His Shark Tank episode was incredible, and he landed a $600,000 deal from Mark Cuban and Kevin Hart. He's a former NASA scientist who created the CMOS Transformation Factory, which has continued to grow like wild since we had him on the show. But one of my favorite moments of his story was the extremely unlikely way that he met his marketing expert. I love this story. We're so close now. and We tell this story all the time. But I had gotten frustrated with trying to find an ad agency or a marketing agency that can do the work for me. We was like, hey, I know I'm sitting on gold. Our reviews and our social proof are out of this world. And at the time I had another company buying our product and relabeling it, they were selling our product for twice the amount. And there was they had 800 orders in the same time that we had 50. So I told myself right then and there, it's the same product, same formula, even same packaging at the time, because it was very generically packaged, didn't have a logo or a name or anything back then. Just a thank you tag made with love. <laughs> so it could be, it could have been anyone's brand. And when I realized another company was uh, selling 800 orders at twice the amount to our 50, I said, I don't have a product issue. I have a marketing issue. So I, I went back to the classroom in a sense, and I started to take on running ads myself after trying a few agencies and not really getting the results that I wanted. So I want to take things into my own hands. While I was on Instagram, looking up gurus and watching videos, I got a direct message from a bot. It was a random bot account with one follower following one account. And it said, hey, this guy is giving away free e-commerce classes teaching how to run ads. And because I was in the mood of in, in the mode of really extracting as much information as I could to make myself more knowledgeable in that niche, I was open for any information. So I was so hungry that I actually paid attention to a bot, something I would normally just delete <laughs> <laughs> to, to not get myself in trouble. But I was like, it's not a website link. It's just an Instagram page. Let me just check it out. Checked it out. This guy had maybe a thousand followers, uh, but he had these loom videos explaining very complex things in the ad space. And I thought he did such a great job at explaining it so detailed. There was a, a confidence that came from him that just said, man, this guy really knows what he's doing. And he was doing a raffle. It's one of those raffles where you tag three friends in this post and we'll select a random winner and you'll win a free education course. So I literally messaged him. I said, hey, I really don't want to lose this chance because of a raffle. Can we please get on a call and I would just love to see if we can work together. And he sent me a DM within 10 minutes with this calendar link. And he said, book a call with me. And we got on a call the very next day. I did a screen share with him, showing him our analytics, our sales, our reviews. And he said, oh my goodness. He said, you have no idea, but you're sitting on gold. He was like, the data that you've collected, the reviews, the social proofing you have, you literally check every single box for someone that could be massively successful. And he said, I'll prove it to you. He said, I'll work for you for free for three weeks just to show you that I'm serious. Within 48 hours, our sales was four times the, the normal rate within Whoa. 48 hours. And I said, okay, three week trial is over. You're, you're hired. <laughs> <laughs> I said, let's get to work. <laughs> it wasn't my intentions to like really use him for the full three weeks knowing that he just did that 48 hours. I was so ready to work. And even though I was at the point where I was learning it myself and I was taking it into my own hands, obviously having somebody that was way more qualified do it for me allowed me to do and be where I needed to be. 
Speaking of Shark Tank, number eight is our other favorite Shark Tank episode moments. Rosa Lee from Wild Wonder came on the pod to talk about her season 14, episode 11 Shark Tank episode, where she makes a $500,000 deal with Tony Shu, guest shark and founder of DoorDash, and drops some insider knowledge. Yeah, so I would say they only, Shark Tank and the producers really prepare me for the pitch itself. They didn't really prepare me or any candidates for the actual Q&A process. So I would say there was a lot of time spent on the actual two minute pitch, which was at the beginning. Uh, every single word had to be approved basically. And mm. uh, if I made any claims, especially given this a functional beverage, I had to have backup to support it. And there's a lot of like legal process involved with anything that's aired on national TV. I would say there's a lot of prep with getting the booth ready. There's just prep in general, like getting the entire display, getting everything approved. The Q&A was actually more just me watching Shark Tank and previous episodes. I, like I mentioned earlier, I actually didn't grow up watching Shark Tank and then didn't really know what the show entailed. So I, the producers basically told me, hey, go watch all the beverage episodes, which was what I did. And just to figure out what kind of questions are asked, um, most of them are business related, which I do know. Someone would ask me, hey, how much does it take to, to produce your product? Obviously, I would know the answer. And usually the typical questions are, are pretty basic. It's like cost, price, what's your distribution like? Why did you start the company? I can't actually remember everything they asked me, but it's I would, I would say it's nothing unexpected. Just a week later on national TV, Sandra Velasquez, the CEO and founder of Nopalera, appeared on Shark Tank and gracefully received and ultimately turned down two offers from the sharks. Sandra's episode is packed with fundraising knowledge in general, but I love this moment of insight into what it's like to be on the Shark Tank set. But what no one prepared me for was how quiet it was. <laughs> and I was like, why did no one tell me this? Like, I'm trying to tell everyone now because I just actually had a call last night with a, some other founders who are CPG founders who are content, like contenders for next season. And I was like, the first thing you need to know is that it's really quiet. <laughs> That sounds so eerie. <laughs> it, it, I know, but it is eerie. And that's it's only eerie because you have to over emote like you have to bring the energy like you have to pretend like there's music playing because mm -hmm. it is a dead silent soundstage. And that's why they that's why, you know, you always see the sharks like cutting each other off and like creating drama because they have you have to create the drama. It's not in the room like there's no agitation in the room. It's a soundstage. So that I was like, okay, no one warned me about this. I need to go yell at all my friends. <laughs> Why didn't they tell me? But that it was a little awkward. For number seven, I feel I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the reoccurrence of marriage and dating as metaphors for fundraising on the show. Wayne Wu from VMG started the trend that just kept going. Our episode with Wayne about Venture Capital 101 was one of our most popular episodes of all time. He gives us some of the best breakdowns of tricky fundraising knowledge, including some useful metaphors. Don't wait until you need to raise capital to know potential investment partners, because it's the same thing of getting married. Eloping is generally a low probability exercise. So make sure that you date. And that's <laughs> yeah. the analogy here, get to know a lot of different potential investment partners, get to know them over time before you make one of the most permanent marriage decisions an entrepreneur will ever make, which is to bring on an investment partner. If our relationship needs and should be more than just a quarterly board meeting, but really think about a successful marriage and friendship. It's a very casual, interactive dynamic of calling each other in good times and in bad. 
sending that sending that email or note, it's not a, some of the best partnerships are the ones where it's not just a highlight reel of, oh, I'm just going to call you and share all the great things that are happening. I'd say the our best partnerships are the ones where there's a very interactive, pro, proactive dialogue, like a good friendship, like a good marriage would have. Mm-hmm. Really a, having alignment around what a win looks like and what we're all trying to build and how do we define success is really important because otherwise, like how, how to think about resources along the way, how, how, how to think about strategy, you, you get into, it's hard enough to build a great brand or business, but when you can't, when you don't agree on what you're building towards, it's nearly impossible. And then it's easier to divorce a, a, a spouse than it is an investment partner. So both the investment partner and the entrepreneur and company need to choose wisely because you're permanently married. Shortly after, Paul Vogie from Ouroboros was on the show and he leaned in on Wayne's metaphors. And it's a little like a marriage where you're, you're finding someone that you don't mind talking to every week for the next three to five years. Yeah. The, and I'll say similar to the marriage analogies is I would almost say that it's more intense than a marriage because there's not, at least with marriage, there is a formal process for divorce in this country. There's not really a formal process for splitting up with your big investment firm. So long way of saying like it's, it might even be more intense than a marriage, but I, mm-hmm. I really love working with City. To Wayne's point, we've known City for two years. So if you're thinking a year from now, you might want an institutional fundraise, but you don't know any institutional investors, like you better get moving because sometimes it takes a year of updates, calls, decks to get to that point. Let's go back in time for number six for a couple early moments of the show. My very first guest when I took over the show at episode 24 with Kirk Bysola was back in August 2021. I didn't really know Kirk when I first interviewed him, but looking back, there's no one else I'd rather have as my first guest. Kirk is an incredible designer and owns the agency Mind the Font. He also co-hosts the Kirk and Kurtz podcast with Andy Kurtz from Buttermilk Creative, and we've had them back on the show as a duo. I'm grateful to now call Kirk a friend and wanted to share one of the many moments of wisdom from that first episode. Organization, trust and collaboration. You need to be organized. You need to have all your ducks in a row before you go to anybody who specializes in something, whether it be going to like someone like Brandon, who's a co-pack, anything that goes in the package wizard. You have to go to him with all the all your ducks in a row because you don't want to waste his time. And you also don't want to look like you don't know what you're doing. You have to have you have to be willing to, to be trustworthy, like trusting of the person you're going to also like you don't want to pull that stuff together. And you don't want to go to someone and then already have your mind made up what you have to do. If you're going to the person that knows more than you, trust them to do their job. Like trust them to tell you the right thing to do. Make sure that, you know, you're not getting the wool pulled over your eyes, right? You're not being bullshit, but you're not going to go to someone who's like renowned for doing something and just to be bullshit, hopefully, right? And the other thing is be collaborative. Be willing to interject. Be willing to ask questions, but not from a standpoint of disagreement, but understanding. So I'm just wondering, what did you think about why did you do this design this way? Because I see what you're saying, but you can have a conversation and be collaborative, be ready to push and pull and give a little to someone, but also take stuff from someone too. So that's the other thing that those are the things that I think would be an ideal client. And also last but not least, don't be a fucking asshole. That's a major factor. There's nothing that's serious in the food and beverage industry to where you have to be mean about it. Basically any walk of life, unless you're like a drill sergeant in the army or something, but I don't think you need to be mean about the stuff it's just it's food but at the end of the day it's food it's it's, it should be fun and it should be those things organized trustworthy and, and collaborative 
Another early moment was with Quan Yang, the CEO of Prickly. Quan leads our Boston chapter of Startup CBG and since being on the pod has been on Shark Tank and has been able to go full time working on Prickly. Here's a fun moment from the early days of Prickly. And so I think I remember talking to my partner and pitching pitching him the idea of we need to just be cactuses. That's what we are. It's when you think about a cactus, it already, I think, by default has an unapproachable aura to it, in which case a lot of the you know, customers where 99% of the people in the world know what a cactus is. I think getting people to really side with it and, and fall in love with a cactus is a whole different story. And so we realized in one of the early conversations that we had with one of our advisors too, was that we had to really make people fall in love with the cactus and make it approachable. And so we had this crazy idea of putting on these cactus suits, running around the city of New York, Boston, but also even going to stores with our cactus suits on. And it was definitely a moment where we felt really uncomfortable. We never envisioned that this was going to at all be a part of our life. But we realized that if we didn't do it and we didn't believe in it enough uh, ourselves to, to do something like this, that who else would? How could we really build the culture of really living the life that everyone's a cactus? So we put it on and we took a deep breath and we said this could go one of two ways. Either we could go out there, bring energy, be confident, spread smiles and happiness, health and hydration, as we said, or we could be super unconfident, super awkward, and it would just fall flat in its face. And so we chose the, the former. And fortunately, it was a game changer for us. It really boosted the confidence in the team. And it really gave us an identity and belief in ourselves and what we could accomplish that we didn't know we had within ourselves either. You need to pay for tomorrow's growth, but today's cash flow just doesn't quite cover it. So what do you do when you need inventory funding now? Welcome to Kick Further. Kick Further funds up to 100% of the cost of inventory up front, and you don't have to pay them back until that inventory begins to sell. Kick Further funding is not a loan, doesn't appear as debt on your books, and does not require equity. It's just capital right at the moment you need it to pay your most expensive cost, your inventory. Kickfurther has already supported over 1,000 opportunities, including working for brands that you may know, like Dr. Squatch and Good Wipes. To see how much inventory funding you qualify for today, go to kickfurther.com slash startupcpg. That's kickfurther, K-I-C-K-F-U-R-T-H-E-R.com slash startupcpg, kickfurther.com slash startupcpg to learn more. Are you a founder or critical operator spending too much time on bookkeeping, expense classification, and tweaking your financial model when you should be spending your time on customers and growth? Cue Graphite. They are a full finance department as a service for early stage and growing CPG startups. Think of having a CFO, controller, and bookkeeper, but for the fraction of the cost of hiring even one internal team member. That's Graphite. The truth is that most CPG founders fail due to a lack of understanding of their unit economics, aka a lack of proper accounting and finance. To download their free financial model template, free chart of accounts template, and other resources, go to graphitefinancial.com CPG. Graphite is also offering a special discount just for our listeners of 8% off their accounting and forecasting services. Head to graphitefinancial.com slash CPG to claim your discount. That's graphite, G-R-A-P-H-I-T-E, financial.com slash CPG. (music) 
All right, we're halfway through, and number five is what I'm calling best advice. There's been so much good advice on the show, but these three moments really stand out as so actionable and practical. First, from three-time guest and startup CPG resident sales expert, Jake Huber, who was also the very first guest on the whole show in April 2020. Jake was also part of our first hire series, which has been another highlight of the show. This snippet is from Jake's Promotions 101 episode. Well, it's really funny. I was literally just on LinkedIn and a guy was making a comment or made a post about we gave all this funding. We even paid ad fees to be on. And then lo and behold, the promotion didn't even happen. There was no shelf tags. There was no nothing. But better believe you paid the ad fee and they are going to deduct because there's a contract in there. And he was like, what are we supposed to do here? And the only comment I could give him was, look, you... It's important to understand the sales plan cycle. That's the term. Like, what's the sales plan cycle or what's the timing of sales planning at this specific retailer? So the broker should know this or even Startup CPG. There's people who know this. I can tell you how Kroger works. Hey, I know that about 10 to 12 weeks prior to execution, everything on their end is actually loaded. That means the tags. I can confirm whether my allocation to support because we want them to order product. Oftentimes that's called an allocation. Hey, we're going to promote it two for six. Can you allocate a case per store to make sure we have inventory? These are perfectly acceptable asks in exchange for a big promotion that you're trying to do. And it guarantees that they're invested in buying it and supporting it. But I have a check-in at some point before that I then go to the, the retailer or the broker and say, hey, confirm that tags are loaded, allocations going out, and everything's going to happen. If we find out that it's not happening or it didn't happen and the retailer can't do anything about it, then I will put requests in to cancel the contract and start saving emails so that when the deductions do come, we can, I don't want to say fight it, but fight it because it, it didn't get executed and you have enough time to react as opposed to then assuming it all executes and then finding yourself out money with no promotion. <laughs> In-Store Demos 101 was one of our most popular episodes with Bridget Aragon and David Heiser, co-founders of Grassroots Demos. David's advice here is so tactical. It's a couple of things, really just a couple. It's how many people are you reaching at every demo? And you can do this without any fancy software or anything. If you're a startup and let's say you're going to your local independent, the number one thing you can do is buy a cheap golf tally clicker off of Amazon or for a couple of dollars and just... For every person that you pass out a sample to, just click it once, twice. And if you do this at a farmer's market anywhere, that's a really important KPI. If you think about how many people are you reaching, you'll be surprised both for good and for bad. Sometimes you'll think you sampled to more people than you did. And sometimes you'll think you won't really keep track of it. And you'll be surprised at the end by how many people you really reached um, at, at, any, at a given event. So that's one thing I would definitely say, track the number of people you're engaging with, just like with any form of marketing. That's really important. And finally, another fan favorite episode, Meet the Press, with Monica Watrous, managing editor of Food Business News and Food Entrepreneur, where she demystifies getting press coverage as an early brand. Monica has also graced multiple expo recaps, which are always listener favorites. I love Monica's advice here. Send decks, send folders to assets send any kind of collateral that's really helpful have a media kit or like a press kit on your website i know that's a lot of work but that could go a long way and also i've worked with several founders who just write their own press releases and that's super helpful like you're more likely to get a really quick turnaround from me if you provide a press release we don't run press releases as is but we will draw from them and paraphrase and use quotes from press releases 
in, in stories. And so it's super helpful to, to provide something like that, or even your own emailed quotes. If you even do like a, a self Q and A, you know, or you provide information that's quotable that we can then turn into a story. Yeah. I guess having traditional press materials available when in however way you can provide them is super helpful. Speaking of fan favorites, number four is dedicated to a couple of absolute fan favorite episodes. First is from Kim Biddle's Influencer and Affiliate Marketing 101 episode. This is one of our most downloaded episodes and is packed with practical tips from Kim like this. I think that the more you're engaged with your affiliates, the more they're going to do for you. The more people feel appreciated and seen and supported, the more they're going to do for you. So what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. If you set up a share a sale account and just sit back, you're going to get exactly what you put into that. And it's probably not going to be much. It has to be nurtured. It's a team. It's a team of people that you're relying on to bring in revenue. So when you think about that, again, I'm going to go back to the sales team. You need to think of them as your sales team, as you would a sales team. How do they stay incentivized? How do I keep out in front of them with new products, with Most brands will provide a very nice discount to affiliates so that they continue buying the product. Obviously, they need to be consumers of your brand as well. So there's a there's that there's that too. I think that's I think in my opinion, what you put into it is what you will get out of it. The more you put into it, and everyone has different philosophies about it. And also, you only have so much time. But a lot of these platforms can also automate some of these things. This next episode was so popular, we actually just re-aired it. Angel Investing 101 with my delightful friend, Marsha Dotwood. While the fundraising landscape continues to shift and evolve, Marsha's advice continues to ring true as a seasoned angel investor, an important member of the investing landscape. She's actually wrapping up her tenure as the chair of the board of the Angel Capital Association because she's been appointed to the U.S. SEC, Securities and Exchange Commission, as a member of the Small Business Capital Formation Advisory Committee, where she'll continue to support entrepreneurs and how fundraising works. I love this idea from Marsha. It's there's a couple things that are you're going to want to have in that pitch deck. And what I always have been telling entrepreneurs, at at least lately, is you want to make it as easy for the investor as possible, Um, especially if you're if you want to pitch to an angel group, they get inundated with a lot of information. Usually you have to go through their whatever their upload process is, where you upload their upload your information as a company to potentially get funding. But I'm telling you, I really think that short videos, if people haven't used Loom yet, I would, I love that application. It's fantastic. You can literally make a five minute video. It's free. You can make a five up to a five minute video and then you just can give people the link. You could walk somebody through your pitch deck in five minutes and at least give them enough information so that it's like a teaser. You're never going to give them all the information in five minutes. And that's not the point. The point is to give people enough information to want to sit down and learn more. Because if you're going out initially and you're just trying to get people's attention, trying to get their attention with 60 minutes worth of content and 35 slide deck is not going to get their attention. What could get their attention, though, is a three to four minute video of you explaining what your company does and why you're doing it. Okay, we're down to the top three. Has your favorite moment been mentioned yet or is it coming up, do you think? I love cold outreach and the magic that can come from shooting your shot. So this was a favorite moment from our episode with Ali Bonner, 
co-founder, CEO, and chief vibes officer of Oat House about landing a collaboration with celebrity Jamila Jamil. Jamila's amazing. She's such a badass. So she tweeted about our product in October of 2020, I believe. So about two years ago. And that was before we rebranded. And she just posted a picture of our chocolate flavor and was basically like, I forget exactly what she said, but like this stuff is amazing. And it was totally organic. We didn't even send her product. Like it was out of the blue. Wow. And I've oh, I've been obsessed with her since I saw her on The Good Place. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. With Eric and I like binge during the pandemic. And I knew she also had a history of an eating disorder. She's super was an advocate for body acceptance and radical inclusivity and food freedom and just everything that we stand for as a brand as well. So I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We also were raising our first round of funding, as I mentioned, that small friends and family round. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to shoot my shot. Like I'm going to find her manager on LinkedIn or Google and I'm just going to reach out and be like, hey, is she interested in investing? I saw this tweet. And so that's exactly what I did. And the stars aligned. She was interested in investing. And so she came on and she is our social impact advisor, investor. And then we pretty immediately started talking about doing a collab flavor with her. And the chocolate was her favorite flavor of ours. This episode is just a few months old, but already shaping up to be a favorite all about Partake Foods collaboration with Ben and Jerry's. Marlo Judici, Partake's vice president of sales strategic channels, came on the show to share what it took to bring this collab to life, including my favorite cold outreach moment. Yeah, I mean, so nobody ever forgets 2020 for a myriad of reasons, but we were really in the throes of the pandemic. We were all working remotely, our, our team of three, with just trying to think of, let's get creative. Let's brainstorm some alternative sales segments or channels. What have we not? What's the stone we haven't unturned? Because as you may recall, the necessities were getting, the essentials were getting restocked and prioritized both by retailers and distributors. And as much as cookies are a necessity in my house, they are not necessarily in everyone's home. And it just wasn't a priority for our distributor partners to to think about restocking us as much or for the, the retailers to be dedicating space to us or the category as a whole. And so we started thinking about categories that are a little bit more essential or like, like recession-proof, if you will, or crisis-proof. And we thought about ice cream and how people eat ice cream in, in good times in celebrations and also in bad, right? You turn to your favorite pint to just find comfort <laughs> when you may be upset. And and then we thought about, okay, who are the dream ice cream brands that we would love to work with? And Ben & Jerry's was number one on that list. And I did some LinkedIn stalking, which I think every salesperson has to hone that skill. <laughs> yeah. And some email naming convention guesses. I probably had a, like several incorrect... I was like, first dot last, first initial dot last name, just tested all of them. And one went out and didn't bounce back. And I just positioned it as we are an allergy-friendly, inclusive brand that makes delicious cookies. Would you like to try some? So not a heavy, not a big ask, certainly not a long email, no deck attached, just can we send you some cookies? Because my hope was that who's going to say no to some free samples and worst case scenario, we send them and they don't like them. And okay, no big deal. But my contact answered and he was graciously accepted the free samples. And I think so much of the opportunities and, and the great partnerships we've had at Partake is it's a timing thing. And and it was just good timing for, for them in thinking about their non-dairy line and how they can expand on offerings. Because big organizations like that with their innovation pipeline, they're working 
12 to 18 months out in terms of how long it will take to commercialize and bring to market. So they were seeing, I think, some initial success in that line and wanting to expand the flavor profiles. And we just reached out at the right time. And so if it had been a no, I still would have probably followed up three months later and then six months later. And I I generally um, am pleasantly persistent and just take it as a not right now Mm -hmm. um, until I get a until I get a pretty hard no. So yeah, that's how it kicked off. And, And then we just continued the conversations. The Unilever team came in, which is their parent company. And we talked a little bit about supply chain and sourcing requirements that was 2020 and the flavor released in 2023. So it's, it's a long process. Number two is partially moments on the show and partially moments behind the show. All our guests have been incredible, but these two moments feel very full circle and just delightful and authentic. First up was Miguel Leal, co-founder and CEO of Somos. Miguel co-founded Somos alongside two former co-workers and Kind Snacks executives, Daniel Lubetsky and Rodrigo Suloaga. Miguel came on the show over a year ago to share about Authenticity 101 and developing a brand identity. At Expo West earlier this year, I went by the Somos booth and just wanted to say a quick hi to Miguel, knowing he was incredibly busy. He gave me the warmest welcome and personally walked me through building walking tacos at their booth, telling me stories and just overall being incredibly kind. Later that day, I also got to meet Rodrigo, and he was also so kind and told me stories about his family and the history behind their new salsa matcha which is available and life-changing. And it was one of those moments where the people behind the brand were just as kind and authentic as I had hoped. So this is a moment from the show with Miguel. Yeah, actually, that is one of my favorite stories to tell. First of all, I I do have a lot of experience. I I spent most of my career working in marketing and working with beautiful brands. You mentioned Kind, but also I have the benefit of having Daniel, Kind's founder, as my partner in this endeavor. And he is, among other things, just a genius at connecting brands with mission. Specifically for Somos, it really started with the idea that we wanted to share the best of Mexico with the world. And the best of Mexico is the best recipes and the best ingredients, but also the best stories. Brands are really stories, and there are a lot of great Mexican stories that haven't been told. So we started with the brand. We had a list of names, and Somos really caught our eye for a few reasons. It's very easy to pronounce. I think on the mission side for Daniel, Somos literally means we are, and part of doing this endeavor was to bring cultures together. And for me, it's a brand that is very symmetrical. It's written the same way forward as background. So I thought it would look very beautiful on the packaging. So once we settled on Somos, then came the art on the package. And that is really the story that that I think you're reacting to. We fell in love with this form of art called alebrijes. It comes from the west part of Mexico and is a turn of the century modern art form. And it's beautiful. Uh, I think uh, another story that has used this form of art is the movie Coco. I don't know if, if you've seen it. But yeah. when, you look, when you look at those animals, the beauty of Alebrijes is you bring different colors and different shapes together that when they 
get together, they create something even more beautiful, even though they are all different. And what a prettier way to communicate our mission of bringing cultures together than doing it with the packages. All these packages are made by hand. They are made by a Mexican artist. They are not made, you know, drawn in a computer. So they show a lot of care. And then even though they are all different colors, different shapes, when you put them together, they just look gorgeous, like the outside of the box that we sent you. And I think it, it's a very graphic way of telling what the brand is about. The next moment was similarly special in that I have been a GT Dave and Synergy Kombucha fan for years and years. And number one, having GT on the show was a dream come true. And number two, he was just as kind and calm and wise as I had hoped. So this is a fun moment from our episode. First of all, I love Halloween because it's close to my birthday. And then oh, nice. I also love it because I think it's I think it's really impressive when humanity takes on a different identity mm-hmm. and allows that temporarily, a temporary new identity to allow them to change their perspective, even if it's just for one evening. So that, that's why I really love like the dressing up process. Wow. Of a costume that I hope I get to be. It's funny. I, I dictate the costumes with the two costumes that you referenced, Two-Face and then Pinhead. They were part of a, the theme of an event that I host every year that we've dubbed Fright Night. So it's a Halloween mm. party that I host for 800 of my closest friends. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, and I like to establish a general theme. It's not a mandatory theme. It's somewhat directional. But like I did like the superheroes, supervillains, which was the two-faced one. And then I did the Adams Family one, which was just more goblins and ghouls where I did Pinhead. So this upcoming party, I'm doing like a crazy killer clown slash haunted circus type vibe. So I guess I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I'm trying to actually think of what my costume is going to be. I haven't decided. I just like things that allow you to be, to allow you to disappear and to take mm-hmm. on again that, that identity for that night. All right. You made it to number one. And if you've been around for a while, you may have been able to guess it. Let me give you a clue. Welcome to the Startup CPG Podcast. I'm your host, Today we're going to talk about murdering your thirst. Sorry, it's like there's something in my throat. This keeps happening ever since I got my t-shirt from Liquid Death. What do those terms say when I signed up for text messages? Let me see. You agree to be brainwashed by Liquid Death Marketing. Ah, I figured it was worth putting my soul on the line to bring you some behind-the-scenes content from one of the hottest brands in CPG. Yep, our episode with Liquid Death. This has been our most popular episode of all time and the episode that I had the most fun with the Dark Lord filter on my own voice. I loved everything about this episode with Hamid Safi, but here's a clip. We cursed our water with a witch doctor, and we were like, okay, if you want to remove the curse, you have to buy this curse reversal spell on our website. And it was actually an actual spell that the witch doctor created for us. And we sold it for 99 cents. And then we sold free green screen footage where you could do anything with our executioner mascot through the green screen footage that we had and make whatever you wanted to make from. We gave that away for free. And then on the country club membership thing, yeah, when we were retuning country club, we were like, all right, country clubs are like exclusive and expensive. And it it costs a lot of money to get into a country club through application processes and interviews and all that stuff. All right, if you don't want to sell your soul to us, we'll let you buy it for $125,000. And the little nugget of an insight in that was like, we would have people sell their soul to us. And this is a very small percentage, but then sometimes they'll email us back and be regretful that they did it. And they're like, can I get my soul back? 
And we'd be like, no, you've given it to us for a lifetime, for eternity. So you, you can't have it back. So that's like the formula or like kind of process that we would follow of just like selling things at weird prices and very obscure kind of oddball items. So that's a wrap. Thanks for joining our top 10-ish countdown. And here's to the next 100 episodes. Thank you for listening in today. I love hearing from you all with feedback, suggestions, or if you just want to say hi at podcast at startupcpg.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn. If you liked this episode, we'd love for you to share it with a friend or colleague, subscribe so you don't miss future episodes, and maybe even leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you aren't yet in our Slack community of founders and experts, we'd love to see you there. You can get the free invite at startupcpg.com and find all our other awesome resources there like webinars, databases, the blog, the magazine, and virtual and in-person events. And if you found yourself rocking out to our intro and outro music, which I do every single time, make sure to check out the Super Fantastics on Spotify. It's the band of our Startup CPG founder, Daniel Scharf. I'm Jesse Freitag, your host and producer, and on behalf of the whole team at Startup CPG, thank you for being here and see you next week.